Hello and welcome to episode 236 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. Join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going pretty good. You, you hesitated like you were like, yeah, I, I am Andrew Ferguson. Yeah, I had one of those existential crises and I just had to <laughs> remind myself who I was. I had to look at my, uh, you know, a little note. i got a notepad file on the computer here. Okay. It just yeah. says... Just says, you know, when your mind goes blank and you forget who the fuck you are, open this. So I clicked on it. And went, oh, that's right. So people don't think we take notes. We have notes. Who, yeah, what our it. names are, who we support, things like that. It's all part of the show. Like yeah. none of this is real. We're just actors. That's right. Well, you see, at the end of the day, I, I will push out any knowledge I don't need to keep, mm. so as to have my brain as full of rugby league opinions and knowledge as possible. And if part, if one of those things I've got to kick out is my own name, mm-hmm. then so bet I'll fucking forget it just so I can put some more rugby league knowledge in there. That's how passionate I am about this game. I'm the same as you, but there's, there's two things I like to retain. I like to retain rugby league knowledge and good analogies. But anyway, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Um, yeah, we're just having a little chat. Mm-hmm pre-podcast chat and you uh you pulled me up and said you know we're doing a good podcast here okay fuck it let's just press record Mm -hmm. and so here we are um and now (laughs) i forgot what the fuck we're talking about (laughs) well we've got first thing we've got to do we're going to say that everyone should go to manscape.com right that's given because if you hang on a second i can hear something on my roof is that bells? No, no, there's no bells. <laughs> Santa Claus. You sure he doesn't have bells? No, there's no bells. Weird. Uh, anyway. I reckon he's got bells on. <laughs> Possibly. Anyway, that was that was a weird moment for the podcast. So get go to manscaped.com, right? And you you go there and you have a look at what they've got because you know, you're going to want to get all of your Christmas presents early. So if you go to manscaped.com and you've got a special someone in your life that you feel like they need to shave their balls, you can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com, but you've got to use our personal promo code, and that promo code is NRL. And if you use that promo code, 20% off and free shipping on everything on the site, and they've got all sorts of stuff. So I, I suggest you go there, take a look, and pick up something for Christmas. It's as easy as that. It really is. This has possibly been the greatest ever introduction to this podcast we've ever had. Yeah, we're all over the place, aren't we? This is fantastic. This is this augurs well. Let me just let me just tell tell our uh, our uh, intern. We want to edit this whole first part, cut this part out because we don't want people to think we do anything except perfection. All right, all right, good, good. Don't look at me. Look at the ground. So they nod. Did they nod? They nodded, looked at the ground, yeah. Okay, good, good. Okay, it's good because we want our people to think that our intros were this bad. I'm glad that they can clean it up for us, so. Oh, Exactly. That's why we got them there in the first yeah. place. Yeah. Um, yeah, the finals footy, mate. We've had finally got our first week of finals footy under our belts. Yeah, and you were saying you had you saw that the Panthers were leading in, going into the second half, and you were like, all right, this game's done and dusted, and then the Roosters started coming back. Yeah, like I was, I, I genuinely have this feeling. Everyone's got a feeling going into a game. They they get more confident about one game than another. 
Mm-hmm. And I just felt that the Panthers was the only game where I was absolutely certain that Penrith were going to win that game. I had no fear whatsoever about them losing that game. And I just thought the other three games, yeah. to me, there was an element of chance that the underdog could have got up and caused a bit of an upset because there are a lot of players who had been rested along the way. Penrith yep. didn't rest too many players last week. A few, but not too many. And I thought that was a good idea. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, yeah, Canberra, um, the Raiders, Melbourne, um, you know, they, they rested quite a few players. So I just thought there was a bit of uncertainty around those two teams. And, you know, South and Newcastle, God knows what the hell you, you pick with that. Those two were just absolute guesses. So I was yeah. thinking... Penrith had no chance, no chance of losing this game. And I tuned, tuned in, turned on the game, and it was just about five, ten minutes into the second half. And Penrith was up, I think, 22-10. I went, they got this nailed. Mm-hmm. So I just got the game on the background. I'm doing some other stuff. And then all of a sudden, the Roosters start coming back. And I look across going, what the hell is this? <laughs> and then I slowly spend less time doing the stuff I was doing and watching the footy going, nah, nah, this, this, can't, happen. this can't happen. And then Cleary pots the field goals like, Ah, oh, it's all good. It's all good. Let it go. But uh, yeah, I'm surprised that the Roosters um, did as well as they did. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I felt that Penrith is the first time I've seen Penrith uh, in several weeks take their foot off the accelerator midway through a game. Yeah, they. It was a weird game. I mean that. The Roosters did really well to stay in the contest. And I think that there were, I mean, if you look at the end of that game and the way that Naden touched the ball when it, when it hadn't gone 10 metres from the kickoff by the Roosters, if he hadn't done that, because the Roosters scored immediately from that, basically, mm-hmm. the Panthers win by seven points. And I think you look at this game and you say, well, the Roosters did pretty well, but the Panthers had it pretty comfortably. Um but because of that, I mean, it's a one-point win to the Panthers. And the Roosters could have won that game if their kicking was better. Uh, Flannery missed a goal early in the match. Would have given the Roosters a win at the end of the day. So it, it's... I mean, there's as a Panthers fan, I kind of was a bit disappointed by their performance. But when I look at it, they're on this ridiculous winning streak, which is going to eventually become a bit of a, a fucking albatross for them. It's going to become a millstone around their neck. And they're at home. Everyone is waiting for them to fail. They're coming in against the defending champions. There's all of these reasons why that game could have been a choke. And they're one win away from being in the grand final. Yeah. Um, I think the one thing it did show, too, was you cannot you cannot rest against the Roosters. Because even when you give them um, just one small chance to yeah. get back into a game, they take it. Yeah. And they take it more often than most clubs do at the moment, and that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Penrith weren't playing bad, but they just gave the Roosters like a, a, a few chances to get back in the game, and the Roosters took it and almost took the game as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difference between most clubs and your classic clubs at the absolute top end of the ladder. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Panthers, right, they're on a high. Can't see him losing. I think well, they're going to make it to the grand final. Well, like, they've got no injuries. I think Hikau will get off of his dangerous throw charge. You know, they've got uh, one of the... I think one of the more feared opponents in the finals out the way. 
uh, you know, one win to the grand final. They're either going to face the Rabbitohs or the Eels. I think the Eels are definitely a team that they're going to be comfortable against. And you never know with the Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs scare me a bit, but... Um, well, mate, they've got 106 points in their last two games. Yeah, and, and when you play free-flying footy against them, they're going to beat you at the moment. Like, you just can't do that. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the thing that's, that sort of shocked me a bit about the way the uh, the, the Rabbitohs played was they were doing it easy. Yeah, again, <clears throat> against they were the, walking uh, through the middle. They were just they were doing whatever they wanted. They really were. Um, it's interesting because, uh, like, that game against the Knights, the Knights started off really well in that game, and you're like, oh, what's going on here? But as soon as the Rabbitohs got a bit of ball, it was all over. Um, yeah. You know, South's on fire. There's no other way to put it. No, they. They are an absolute dark horse in this competition. They are a huge threat. There's no doubt about it. They are a huge threat. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to play them. I don't care who they're up against. They're not going to yeah. like playing against us next week. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed they're on the Panthers side of the draw. To be honest with you, mm. <laughs> they they just have that. I don't know awkwardness in attack. You don't know what they're going to bring. Mm-hmm. You don't know what side they're going to attack you on. Um, yeah, they were they were brilliant. Um, one thing that stood out for me about most of the finals was um, everyone is shit at defence. Yeah, lots of points scored. Lots um, of points scored. Yeah, I don't mind it though. I thought it was all right. Yeah, I guess it's not too big a problem. You'd, I just think I'd expect to see better defence at this time of year, um, yeah. and to see that no team actually was brilliant defensively mm-hmm. just seems a bit odd like usually you get one or two teams that will stand out defensively and then you just go yeah okay they're the they're the front runners yeah but didn't happen um what's the other two? Oh yeah the the raiders sharks game you know what as much as the sharks got pretty much blown off the park in the second half of this game mm-hmm. given that they had seven plays in their side playing their first ever finals game Mm. And they only end up losing by 12 points. Yeah. I think they did a bloody staling performance, to be honest. Yeah, 100%. Like, and they started that game, and it looked like it was going to be an upset. Um, yeah, I mean, Canberra had to come out in the second half and genuinely lift their game. Mm-hmm. Not just match the Sharks' enthusiasm, but, you know, go above and beyond. Um, and Jack White just proves that he's a class above everybody else in that field. And two quick tries from him. And that's all it took to, to put the, the game out of the Sharks' reach. Yeah, and like, like when I was watching the game, I was like you. I was like, this Sharks team is not playing like a team mostly with, you know, inexperienced players. Um, it's going to be really good for them going into the future that they know they can put out a performance like that. I saw the, um, the decision that they were blowing up about where the referee said that they couldn't challenge a call when Jack Whiten had been interfered with in the ruck, and then he did a quick tap and scored. And, like, all of the Sharks players stopped to argue with the referee, and he takes a quick, quick tap, and it's a try for the Raiders. And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, it's a bit costly considering it wasn't a blowout score line. Um, but, yeah, it's... You know, well, look, they've this... had a weird season, the Sharks, and to put in a performance like that in the finals, I think it's not too bad. No, and look, I think this 
that little incident there, I look, let's be honest, okay. That incident did not cost the Sharks a game. No. Okay. I want to make that clear. I'm not making excuses for the Sharks here. They were outclassed and they weren't good enough to win that game. Mm-hmm. But on that matter, I think a referee, if, if we're going to have this um, absurd ref challenge situation in the game, yeah. then if a player comes forward and they want to challenge a decision, whether they're allowed to or not, yeah. the referee has to call time off. Even if it's just to explain to the player, no, 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 you can't challenge this decision. Yeah. Because it's not it's not exactly fair or sporting if a player thinks they can challenge a decision and they're not allowed to, yeah. and the opposition is allowed to take a quick tap and score anyway. Um, you know, full credit to White and Forty Diddy's allowed to. Yeah. Um, on a slightly different topic there. Um, if you watch the footage, I don't even think Whiten touches the ball with his foot with that quick tap. Oh, really? I've missed that. The ball's on the ground. He just picks it up and runs. Somewhere somewhere out there, Andrew G's really upset. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's, it, it doesn't change the outcome of the game. Yeah. But yeah. I think... I think if we're going to have ref challenge in the game, then there, there needs to be a stop if a player comes forward or at least allow the referee to blow a whistle and say time or something like that because Fafita and... Um, not that Fafita should have been turning his back because he's not captain, but Wade Graham was walking across. He was out of position. Mm. And he was coming across to talk to the referee. And the referee was kind of looking at him but also waving play on at the same time. Mm-hmm. To me, that's just, I don't know, if you're going to give players the opportunity to challenge a decision, but only challenge some decisions, mm. that's just a mess. And I think that we saw the end result of that mess is that either either a player's allowed to challenge any decision they want, yeah, or we don't have a ref challenge system. Yeah, and I think that, like, I didn't know that rule. And at the end of the day, the well, rules clearly, have changed Clearly, Wade Graham so didn't much. either, and that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. At the, but the rules changed so much. Like, the, there were there was another rule this weekend that was talked about, and uh, I can't even remember what one it was, but it was like one that I was kind of surprised by. Um, but the rules changed so much. I, I don't blame the players for not knowing all of these new rule changes, and I don't blame the referees if even they start getting confused by them because, you know, it's a moving target that they're having to keep up with. Every it's, year. Uh, it, it's ridiculous. And, like, you saw that Twitter did, uh, I think it was today, where I said they, they brought in the 2040 rule mm. and it's not been used once. And it just shows how they're just changing rules for the hell of it. Like, it wasn't like people were kicking the ball from within their 20 and getting it over the 40 and everyone's going, oh, that should have been a scrum. They just made that up for no reason and it hasn't been used once in a game. Thank goodness, because that was... I mean, I know we said it before and just quickly touch back on it. It's such a stupid rule because it punishes good defence. Mm-hmm. It rewards bad attack. Mm-hmm. I hate everything about that, that rule. That's just the dumbest thing ever and I think if there's going to be one... Rule change in the off season, and there will be rule changes. It will be scrapping that stupid thing. Yeah, there's no reason to have it, and you know, I, I kind of I wonder about the refs challenge one because 
at the longer the season goes on, the more that we are seeing that the refs are getting it right the vast majority of the time. Yep. And it's just stopping the game, which well, that's, is weird. And this is something that um, become more and more prevalent at the tail end of the season is players from both sides would just call the ref challenge constantly in the last mm-hmm. five, ten minutes of every game. Mm-hmm. Not because they want to, you know, argue a decision, but just have a rest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, like, on top of that, this rule where we have to – there was a – what game? It was the Storm game, I believe, where the um, – uh, who was it? It was the Storm winger, the Fijian bloke. He was, like, 70 metres back down the field, and they blew the game up and stopped it because he had a cramp. And oh, yeah. it really – you know, and, it, like, I think if, if a – if a trainer decides that a player is in a position where the game needs stopped to treat them, that player has to leave the field because we're seeing games stopped for no good reason at all. And I'm sick of watching a rugby league game where they're saying, oh, that we want it free-flowing and all this, and then there's ref challenges that they add, and then we get the, you know, the trainers can stop the game, and then they rub some fucking deep heat into someone's leg, or they give them a fucking ice block, and the game starts again. And it's like, what are we watching here? Like, I'm here to watch some football, not to watch a on-field triage because someone needs their fucking knee strapped back up. Like, if it's that bad of a problem, get them off the field. That's exactly what should happen. Um, isn't it crazy that a player can do what's within the rules mm. and ask to challenge a decision mm-hmm. only for his team to concede a try and then he get told that some weird bloody sub-clause in some rule book yeah. is wrong and the game's not allowed to stop. Yeah. But in another game, a player can go down with a cramp 70 metres away from play and he can stop play. It is a strange one. Yeah, like what Wade Graham really should have done is pretended he had a terrible cramp. He should have had a cramp. Yeah. That would have stopped the game. <laughs> That's a great idea, actually. Uh, Everyone needs to get cramps. Oh, man. And this is a problem, okay? And everyone, everyone's going to talk about how great it is having the set restarts and now it's sped the game up. Mm. And no one's looking at the... And whether there's a correlation between the lack of stoppages mm-hmm. and lack of rest the players are getting mm-hmm. and the number of leg-related injuries that we're seeing in the game at the moment. Yep. The amount, number of cramps we're seeing a lot of players get at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there is a link between the two, I, I don't see how we can keep the set restart in the game if it's injuring players. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not saying that it is. I'm just saying that there needs to be a look into whether there's a correlation between the two because if there is a link between the two, that rule needs to be reconsidered and moved on because I don't think it serves the purpose it was meant to because if it did serve the purpose, which was clearing up the ruck, yeah, then we wouldn't be seeing set restarts at the tail end of the season. We're still seeing them. Yeah, yeah. That's and true. Most of them are coming in the second half of games when – the ruck is still sloppy. The best way to deal with the ruck is the system we had in place where you got one referee looking at the ruck and another one looking at the rest of the game. Yeah, because the refs are missing stuff because they've got too much to do. Yeah. And, and I feel sorry for them. And on top of that, they're worried about their jobs because any time somebody gets a little bit upset at something, half of them get fucking sacked. So it's just, 
it's a really bad place that they've put the referees in at the moment. And yeah, like this off season, if they come back and they said, look, we're bringing a second ref back in, we're getting rid of the 2040 rule. We're getting rid of the seven tackle rule. If you kick it dead, um, I'd be really happy with all of that. Absolutely. I don't mind them trying this stuff in a um, unique season like this, mm-hmm. but they really need to reconsider some of these rule changes, and they need to also reconsider this obsession having to change rules every year. Oh, yeah, it needs to, and what we've stop. talked about is that it really does. It needs to stop. There needs to be like some five-year moratorium on, on changing rules. Yeah, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, because I can't keep up with it. And like you and me look into this stuff, like we actually read what, the changes are and half the time we'll be like why would they even bother with that and we never see it again we never see the things pop up again but as you say when you know you bring in some rule change and it it costs somebody a try in a in a finals match and then the referee's talking about sub clauses it's like what are we doing here exactly it's it's ridiculous and i don't know it's when, when you bring in rule changes to try and help referees and try to bring in some transparency, and all it does is continually cause problems mm-hmm. in the most important games of the, of the year, mm-hmm. you haven't solved anything. No. Like the whole reason we're getting rid of one referee and bringing in these ref challenges was after the grand final and the debacle with the six again in the grand final last year. Yep. And yet the same team was involved in another weird situation, mm-hmm. albeit they're on the on the good side of the result this time around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's just nonsense. They've not solved it. If we're still having issues with it and people are still not sure on what to, you know, when you can challenge the ref and when you can't, you know, we've got situations every single week. How often do you see it where a player will complain to the referee about mm-hmm. something and the referee will either push them aside or say, you've got a ref challenge you can use. And people talk about how it's been a good thing because, you know, players can challenge a decision whenever the referee wants to bring it up and let them know that they can use it or not. But yeah. at the end of the day, all we're seeing is a lot of people constantly complain to the referee. And it's partially, you know, looking to see if they can challenge or not. Yeah. It's not a good look. No, it's not. I, and, like, I don't think that it's cut the whinging down at the refs at all. No, um, I think that the amount of times that it's, things are challenged and the players have got it completely wrong, I mean, it, it's just enough for me to say, look, this isn't worth... It's not worth it. It's simply not worth it. I'd, I'd much rather just watch a game of footy. The ref, like the ref, it's the ref's call and he's going to make mistakes and you accept it and it's part of it. And if you want something that there's no mistakes involved, go and watch a fucking computer game with the everything up to a perfect simulation. Because I'm here to watch human beings play football. And the thing that makes football, in sometimes the thing that makes football great is the mistakes. You know, and it's not when it's bumbling, stumbling football, but there's got to be missed tackles, there's got to be wrong reads, there's got to be all of those things for great scoring plays to happen. Exactly right. Instead, all the pressure and all the focus is always going to be on the referees, and it's all media-driven. Yeah. And we've got an administration that is yielding to whatever that media is whinging about, and that's why we've got all this focus on, you know, 
not supporting referees, but allowing people to attack them and pick them apart and mm-hmm. force them to change their decisions. And it's it's just fucking stupid. I hate it. You know, I said today that uh, I think it was today. It might have been yesterday that uh, the referee Cummings was having a, a a bad game, but I actually called him Sutton. I got his name wrong, and I didn't realise it for about half an hour. <laughs> and I was like, hang on, that's not his name, is it? And I was kind of happy with it because I didn't care what his name was. He's just the referee. There you go. I you must admit, I, I I still don't know a lot of them. Mm. And the one the ones I do know is either because they're, they've been very very good, or I see them, you know, refereeing a lot of games. Yeah. Um, most of the ones who may not be as good, I can't tend tend to tell the difference between who's who. <laughs> do you have because... one ref? Do you have one ref that you think's the worst ref in the game? No. Okay. 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 No. Yeah. Okay. I just think there's there's a few who are the elites at the top of the game, mm-hmm. and the rest are just all below them. Yeah. Um. But I also don't sit there and spend time focusing on what the referee's doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? The referee will make mistakes. But you know what? He's human. Um. All the, you know, 34 players that are on the field, they all make mistakes. They're all human. We forgive the players, but we can't forgive the referees. I don't buy that crap. Yeah, and like, I mean, with that Sharks game, I I just can't... Don't complain about the referees when you let that many points in in a finals match. Exactly right. You know, As I said, like, it didn't change the result. Sharks were still going to lose that game. You can't concede 30-odd points in a finals match and expect to win. Mm-hmm. Um. As simple as that. So it didn't change the game. It didn't have that big an impact. Warriors, uh, the Raiders were always going to win that. So it's just it just highlights an issue that still hasn't been rectified with the rule that everyone thought was going to be rectifying an issue. Mm-hmm. Just went in circles and did nothing. Yeah, yeah, and that's what that's the crazy thing about these rule changes. Like it's very rare that a rule change comes comes in and you're like. Oh yeah, they fixed that up. That's good. That's good. It's always like, why did they even think about that? Who the fuck is thinking about that? Like, I'd love to know who the person was that put their hand up and said, "You know what? We need players to be able to kick from their twenty and get a forty. It's like a forty twenty, but the opposite way." That yeah. person should have been escorted out the room. Exactly. They should be escorted over to running rugby union, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> How um, many times did Fox Sports tell us to watch the rugby union? By the way, it was interesting that mm. I did find that very interesting. I thought, oh, I wonder if there's any ads for rugby league over when the rugby union's on. Yeah, I bet there's not. I bet there's not a single one. Yeah, I, I don't know where they played. I think they played this evening. I don't care what the score was. Why would I go and watch paint dry? It's it's nuts. Yeah. Why advertise a game that's on the same time as the rugby league anyway? Yeah, it's a weird one. I was going to say, the other news just quickly was um, yeah. it looks like Parramatta could have lost both their wingers. Yeah, and that's and, terrible for them. I mean... Well, for most clubs, when you lose two wingers, you just bring two other wingers in and you're fine. But Parramatta relies so heavily on what their, what their wingers do to get mm-hmm. their sets off to a good start. That's going to have a huge impact on them, more so than any other club. It really is. And I think that they play the Rabbitohs this weekend. And 
as I said before, you can't play free-flowing footy against the Rabbitohs. I think what the, the Eels need to do is just go to war through the forwards. And part of that would have been having Sevo and Ferguson just telling them, man, run midfield and just blast your way into that line. Yep. Because and, and without them, I mean, you know, who do you have? I've, I've heard that they're going to put Blake on one wing. I don't know who they're going to put on the other wing. Gutherson. Yeah, put Gutherson on the other wing and bring in a fullback, first-grade fullback. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be a good move. Yeah. Will Smith, fullback. Will Smith, you can get jiggy with it at fullback. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, he, he's here and I like it. <laughs> ah, well, there you go. Um, was there anything else? There was. I don't even know if we should talk about this one. Uh, the stuff about Sam Burgess. Oh, uh, right, yes. Yeah, it'll come out during the week. Um, I think that the main thing to do, I think there's two elements to this. I think the first element you've got to let the, the courts decide because I don't know what happened, you know, and I, th- I think that's what we have to do is we have to let the courts decide and they will what was going on. The second thing is a club element and that's for the NRL to decide. But I think there's big ramifications in both circumstances. What do you reckon about this, this right. thing? The one thing that we can discuss, and it's barely about Sam Burgess at all, to be honest, yeah. is there's a huge problem with the NRL integrity unit and the way it functions. And the way it functions is it relies on a club to self-report in order for the NRL integrity unit to kick into action. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so if in a situation like, let's assume that everything that happened with Sam Burgess, you know, actually did happen. It's all, it's all fact. Um, what chance South are going to tell the NRL integrity unit, hey, look, our star player <laughs> has done all of this stuff. We need you to investigate it. It's you. It's such a, a a crazy situation to set up, where you rely on a club to report and pretty much dob in their own players and their own stars, knowing yeah. that that club for doing that is you know potentially going to be um, jeopardising their own season. No, that they could be losing that player for a long time, you know, and that's that's a situation that needs to be rectified. I don't know how they rectify it, hmm. but instead of clubs, instead of relying on clubs to self-report, perhaps the NRL needs to have a member of the integrity unit who works at each club, but they're independent from the club, but they're there, they see things, they hear things, they're there all the time, they talk to players all the time, everything fine, everything good. Anything going on with your teammates? I don't know. That's got to be something a bit more proactive than just waiting on a club to report to you because that's not going to work. See, the thing is, like a lot of the things that have been alleged, they've been out in the media for some time now, right? And the thing to remember too is Sam Burgess isn't an NRL play, hasn't been for it now for, what, a year or so? So... the there's that element that he's not a player, um, but he is a coach. Like, I, I just feel as though a lot of these allegations, while they weren't specific, they were in the general public. And I just don't know what the NRL can really do until there's convictions in 
in these sorts of situations because I think it's unfair to do the guilty as char guilty, you know, until you prove an innocent thing. And we've both talked about that. And I just don't know that I don't know what happened. Like, you know, and, and I'm the, I'll be the first person to say, if, like any of the shit that was alleged has happened. Ban him for however long. I don't know how you ban a assistant coach for so, like how long do you ban an assistant coach for something like that? I don't know, but well, as we've seen with the NRL, <laughs> yeah, like give him a life ban. Yeah, we'll see in yeah. six weeks. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think what needs to happen is if it's proven true, um, there needs to be a fair few players at South, and not just. I'm sorry, not players. Uh, needs to be a fair few officials at South mm-hmm. who lose their jobs. And the club needs to suffer a pretty heavy penalty because um, some of the stuff that's alleged to have happened to, you know, by, you know, from Sam Burgess to his wife mm-hmm. is, let's be honest, it's fucking sickening. Yeah, it's horrific. Um, I'd, like to, I'd like to think that the NRL and or South Sydney are doing everything they possibly can to look after... Um, Sam's former wife. I don't think they're together anymore. Um, to make sure that she's getting proper care and treatment. I'd li- I'd like to think that she was being looked after when all this shit was going on. Mm. Um, doesn't sound like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the there's an awful lot of allegations about uh, you know, misconduct. I guess by the the team doctor and some of the stuff he was doing. I think it was the team doctor. Um, so, yeah, See, there's, there's some serious things in there, really. I mean, that's malpractice if, if it's proven true, what what the doctor got up to. And that's that's a big thing, which goes beyond the NRL. Yeah, that's a, that's a legal matter. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and like I the, – the way I see it is that there are people that will have all of the information and, like – they're the one I got to wait until they work out what happened because there was so much stuff said. I was, it was overwhelming when you were reading it. It was like, Oh yeah. yeah. It was That's, like one thing after another, after another. The, the thing I find about it, okay. And I'm, I'm reading it going, you know what? I can see a lot of this being true. Mm-hmm. Not saying it is. I don't know if it is, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if it was, um, yeah, it's it's a horrible situation. I and to be honest, I gen, if if any of it's true, I genuinely do not give a shit about Sam Burgess's welfare. I only care about the welfare of his his wife and their children. Yeah, is that is traumatic beyond belief. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Sam Burgess would be looked after anyway. He's got family and friends and whatnot else, and tons of money. Yep. It'll be fine. That family, though, um, that poor woman. Obviously, something's happened there anyway because, you know, they've had to separate. So there's there's got to be some element of truth to it anywhere. Um, so I don't know. It's it's horrific, um, the allegations that come out. Uh, heads do need to roll. And I'd like to think that, um, tell you what, I'll, I'll change a lot of my views on... Um, Peter Volandis, if mm. he does come down hard on this, if it's found out that this story is, is completely true, 
mm-hmm. and he comes down hard on Burgess and the South Club and anybody else involved in this who have done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. He comes out and he gets he comes down with the you know with an iron fist and just starts being ruthless as fuck with punishments to these people. And you know what? Thumbs up to you, Peter, if you do that. Because mm. that's, that's exactly what needs to happen. We've got to start scrubbing this shit out. And it's we've got to stop protecting elite players. We can't have one rule for elite players and another rule for the everybody else. And that's yeah. kind of what's what we're seeing here is that if this is true, then obviously Sam has been protected because he was an elite player. And when you see other players who, you know, get thrown under the bus, you know, like, look at Toro May, you know. And I'm not saying that he deserved to get off, but, I mean, what happened with Tyrone, mate, is exactly what should happen. You should go and get your punishment. You should do your time. Then you should go and get back on the field. Any other player who does something like that. Um, hasn't happened, though, with Sam Burgess here, if, if any of that's true. And I just fear that there's an element of truth to it. Yeah, the, the only thing I find strange is that it feels like a lot of this stuff become public, like, about two and a half years ago, two years ago, something like that. Well, we got got dribs and drabs of it, didn't we? Yeah, and, like, where are all the convictions? Like, and I don't know how it works. I really, like, I'm just a dude talking about footy. I don't fucking know. But I just would, like, expect after this long a time, you would think that he would have been convicted of something, wouldn't he? Oh, look, it's... It's always a, a tricky matter when you get into cases that involve domestic violence um, because a lot of times if there's a, a partner, and this is not this is not a golden rule, but if there's a partner who's a victim of domestic violence, a lot of the times they've, they fear, um, you know, reporting what their partner's done to the police because mm. they're worried that they, it's going to lead to more attacks against them. So they think the easiest way out of it is to just be the only person being abused um, and hopefully it might all just settle down one day. And it's, it sounds weird, but um, that's 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 kind of a, a common theme in a lot of these cases is there's a genuine fear there, but the, the victim also wants the family to go back to what, you know, they thought it was going to be in, in and how it started out being, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they're, they're hopeful that things will go back to the way it was. Yeah. Even though it's pretty clear it can't be that way. Um, yeah, fear, fear tends to be a driving factor there. Because um, I think the the AVO that Sam Burgess had put against him was it last year was from his... His father-in-law. His father-in-law, that's right. Yeah. The, um, you know, the... I wonder if he was convicted of all of this stuff, would he be like uh, deported? Depends. I don't know if, if he's been naturalized. He's been in Australia for quite a while. Oh, that's a good question. Has he been naturalized? He might have got himself an Australian passport. Or you yeah. know, Australian citizenship. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I, think, I think he was talking about he would have to do that, but I don't know if he's done it. Hmm. So yeah, not, not too sure on that one. Um he might get deported. I don't know. I don't think he'd have to be. I think he'd just be. He'd still. He'd just serve time in Australian prison if he has to go to jail. That is. Yeah, probably. Hey, um, it's just it's a rotten situation all round. Like, fuck. Well, the, the only, you know, the biggest losing in this more than anyone is is the kids. Yep. Because 
then it's, it's hard enough, I guess, having a famous parent or parents, but to know that the famous parent um, is going to have this stuff having been written about them mm. and it will always be available for them to read, mm. yeah, that that's not good. That's a no. bit of, that, that I find heartbreaking more than anything else is that those kids are never going to have a um, a positive positive understanding of their father because they're too young at the moment to have known what he was like as a person when he was perfectly fine mm-hmm. and everything they're going to read on the internet is going to be about how bad he was whether it's true or not that's what's you know it's just going to stick mm-hmm. um case in point even if sam burgess gets off on all of this i'm not sure it will happen that way but even if he gets off on every single thing it's found to be all false I think back every time to what happened to Brett Stewart and everyone thinks of him and they think of that case that was against him. Yeah. And that's how people see him. And mud yeah. sticks. Mud it sticks. really does. Uh, you and know, the the what... sorry, go on. Sorry. No, I was gonna say, that's the thing is that if the, it, now it doesn't matter for those kids, for those kids of Sam and, and Phoebe's, whether Sam's found guilty or not. It, there's now a perception of him that this is the sort of person he is. And that's the perception those kids are going to grow up with because it's going to be all over the internet. It's going to be everyone who knows about Sam Burgess, and it's going to be a lot of people in Sydney. That's what this is going to be their long lasting um, image of him is going to be. Those kids yeah. are going to grow up with that around them all the time. And it's sad for them. Yeah, it is. I remember, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm sorry if I repeat myself, but I remember years ago, Sean Kenny Dow was. Um, accused of some some pretty rotten stuff, and I this was this was maybe about to eight ten years ago, and I was saying they should stand these players down immediately because that's how I felt at the time, and he actually stood himself down, and when it went to court, the judge was scathing about the person that had made the allegations about him, and it turned out he had actually been through a, a lot of shit himself. And he got, there was nothing that he, everything was, there was no convictions of anything. It was just, you know, you just read the the judgment that was made in that case. It says it all. And I felt really sorry for him. And it made me think about, you know, and, and, and what you were saying there. I mean, you look it up, you can still look up what he was accused of, Sean Kenny Dowell, and it's going to be there forever. And... You, you know, it will never go away. And, you know, how, what's it like to have something like that? You know, it's, I, I just, that, and this is why I think you've got to wait for a conviction. You've got to wait for people that are paid a hell of a lot of money and that have all of the resources at hand and can talk to absolutely everybody at all sides and come to a conclusion about what happened because, because, and I'd say it because I jumped the gun once in the past and it stuck with me when I read that judgment and I, I felt bad about it. And I think it, it's, it's clouded every situation that I've seen since then. And so sometimes I, it might come across that I'm because I feel like sometimes in these situations, people go black and white with the, how they feel. It's like, well, you know, they should be allowed to play footy and other people are like, Oh, we should bloody shoot them into the sun, you know, and there's no nuance in there. And mm-hmm. so I think it would be easy to sometimes hear the way that I approach it and think, oh, what's the deal with friggin' league freak? You know, he's kind of sitting on the fence bit here. But I, 
look, if it comes out and there's convictions, I will go all in and say, like, I, life ban, I don't care. You know, I don't want to see him in the game again, but I do need to see that conviction. Um, well, because you, can, I, you can only work with facts, let's be honest. You yeah. can't, you can all sit there and run theories and whatnot and, you know, run our mouths on opinions and stuff like that about whether he's guilty or not and what should happen, but... Mm. You know, it's all pie in the sky stuff. We can't do anything until until there's an actual verdict handed down of what he's guilty of and what he isn't. He yeah. might be guilty of of a whole heap of things. He might be guilty of some of the things. Yeah, might be guilty of none. We don't know. Yeah, um, it's a it's a compelling read. Um, it's oddly enough, in in today's sporting media in Australia, it's reasonably well researched. Yeah, like they've gone and, and chased up. You know. Confirmed a lot of things elsewhere, um, which helps support the story pretty well. So, I suppose it makes a, it, it adds a bit of um, validity to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's still got to still got to go before courts. Um, so yeah, there's not much we can really say on the matter, I guess, in that regard. But uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a horrible situation. There's nothing good about it. No, no, not at all. Um... You know, and and Wayne Bennett basically came out and said that he didn't know any anything about it. Um, he said it's not going to affect the South players. Um, Today's performance proved it. To be honest, yeah, yeah. You know what though? I I tend to believe that I don't think Wayne Bennett would have known about it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's interesting is the coach who was at the club when the majority of this stuff was going down was Anthony Seabold. Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, and I'll be honest, I'd be surprised if he knew about it because he'd only, you know, that was his first year there, I think. Yeah. So I don't yeah. think he would have been, you know, part of the in crowd within the playing group. He would have been very much on the outer. Um, and, you know, I, I've been told from, uh, you know, someone who's spoken with Seabold as well that he was completely oblivious to the whole stuff. He had no idea what was going on. Yeah. And... You know what? I wouldn't be surprised at that. And you know, the, yeah. there's, there's evidence to support that in the sense that we've seen that um, at the Broncos this year. Yeah. Anthony Seabold <laughs> lost control of the players there and they went and did their own thing and he yep. let them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw it in the finals last year when they all went to the bloody pokies. Yeah. You know, so. I'd, I'd believe it when, when Seabold says he was oblivious to it because I don't think he's ever been the sort of coach that's had a a firm grip on his playing squad. And I think there's enough evidence to show that he hasn't in the past and that's why he lost his job this year. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think Wayne would have known because, I mean, this would have been taking place at the club before he got there. So mm-hmm. why would he know? Yeah. It's not like Sam Burgess is going to go up to someone and admit to, you know, I, I I did this and did that and did this and did that just to a new coach and it's all negative stuff about him. He's not yes. going to say stuff like that. He's just going to keep it to himself and not say anything. Anything oh, it's all water under the bridge. Now I've moved on with my life. Yeah, the other thing is too, like with players themselves, like with all of the noise that goes on around the NRL, there would be a hell of a lot of players that would say to you, like, I just go out there and I do my job and I just switch off to all of the sound. 
because and I feel like they would have to do that because if they didn't they would go fucking mad. Um and and so I wouldn't be shocked if there would be players that didn't know anything at all about any of this stuff. Yeah. Um to it, there's one player who came out of this um looking like a really good person. Mm. And it's not a surprise cuz and it's Jason Clark. Mm. Um he was always regarded as, you know, just that absolute clubman who everyone loves having around, a really positive influence on the club. Mm. Um, part of the article talks about a time when Sam was off his nut and Phoebe called Jason Clark and said, can you come around and, and help me out because Sam's gone crazy. Mm. Something along those lines anyway. And Clark went, yeah, absolutely, no worry. You know, he got himself ready. You talked to her on the phone the whole way. This is allegedly what happened and he got over there and, you know, he tried to do everything he could to help Phoebe out. Mm. Um, and if that part of the story is absolutely true, then, mate, that is that is top-notch work by by Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and he deserves a lot of praise for that stuff because that's never an easy situation to get yourself into. Um, mm. And he, he didn't even blink, think twice about it. He went, yep, I've got a job to do here, and just went in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, as I said, if that, if that part of the story is true as well, um, massive hats off to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I hate stories like that because it, it's like apart from the fact that there's people out there that are getting hurt and things like that, like you know, you just wish it didn't happen. Yeah, it's it's not good. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, how do we move on from this? Well, let's talk about the state of origin extended squad because it's being put together slowly as teams are knocked out of the finals. And I haven't seen the Queensland squad weirdly enough yet, but uh, in the extended squad, some big news tonight with uh, Mitchell Pearce, um, Saifidi, Daniel Saifidi, Mitchell Pearce and David Clemmer have been missed, uh, left out of the New South Wales extended squad along with Wade Graham which I think is a bit of a surprise with Wade Graham because we were talking about this earlier, like having that depth there in the back row, it's kind of, it's not not something I would throw away just yet. I don't, I've just actually found the articles. Safidi's still in the squad. Oh, see, this says that he's n- uh-huh. Oh, this said he's not. Has Yeah, this said, oh, no, it said he was added. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Zach Lomax is in, which I think is an absolutely great move because he's had a stunning season. Yeah, yeah. It was nice to see him in the team. Um. I don't think Daniel Saifidi did much to deserve to an Origin call-up last year, and I don't think he did enough during Origin last year to deserve to be recalled this year. I agree, and I don't think he's done enough this season, to be honest with you. No, not at all. Um, yet, Wade Graham gets <laughs> As I was saying to you before we start the episode, Wade Graham to me is is um, he's like Dale Shearer. Mm. In the sense that not not so much about the the style of play, they obviously are two different humans. Mm-hmm. But the sense is, you put Wade Graham in a, in a representative game, mm. that bastard will will give you one hundred and ten percent the whole way through. You'll get an absolute top line performance from him. Doesn't matter what job you ask him to do. Doesn't matter where you put him on the field. He will do that job better than anybody else possibly could. He'll just give you everything. Yeah, and that's the sort of player you need to have in a squad. And... Yeah, I, I like his versatility too. Like if if you're 
just training and your, your five eight goes down at a pinch he could play five eight at a pinch mm. he can play in the back row he can play on your on your bench easy you know he, plays, just, he, he can play wide enough to be and and play well enough to play fill in at center if need be i know yeah. he probably hasn't done it before but there's not much difference from the lines he runs and the pl- the style of play he has to what most centers have mm-hmm. he could do it it wouldn't be an issue for him um yeah that's an un- unbelievable asset to have uh, so it gets me why you wouldn't put him in the side. Yeah, and I don't think he's carrying an injury or anything like that. No. Um, the only the only thing I could think is that, you know, Brad Fitz talked to him and he said, look, I need an off-season. That's the only thing I can think. But, you know, he's playing good. He, he didn't have any injuries that he was carrying. And if, if he's just been left out, I I feel like it's a bad move. Yeah, I wouldn't have left him out. He's one of the first players I put in the squad every time. Yeah. You need those guys. Um, yeah, it's Mitchell Pierce. Yeah, I think that experiment is done and dusted. He finally got his series win last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Gift wrap that some bitch and fucking let it go. <laughs> <laughs> well, who's who in who do you feel is next in line? as a halfback for New South Wales. Say, say Nathan Cleary, right, he obviously wins the grand final, Clive Churchill medal, all that. But then he, he says, look, I, I'm too good for origin. Don't pick me. And so they don't pick him. Who's next in line? It's a very good question. Um, because there's a fair drop-off behind, you know, after him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just have a looky. You know what? I was th- just now Adam Reynolds. He'd probably be next, but and normally you would think that he would be injured for Origin because he always get injured at the end of the year. But I guess he would be next in line. Um, well, I'll go through a list here. Okay, and I'll I'll make it clear. Okay, this list is alphabetical order. Mm-hmm. Okay, so these are the, the halfbacks who I think uh, I believe are eligible for New South Wales. Okay. Okay. There's Luke Brooks. Yeah. Um, Adam Clune, Jack mm. Cogger, uh, Kyle Flanagan, Blake Green, Cooper Johns, Lachlan Lewis, Kerry would be one, um, Mitchell Moses, Mitchell Pierce, Adam Reynolds, Josh Reynolds. Um, Chad Townsend, Connor Tracy, Braden Trindle, um, Sam Williams. Imagine that. So it's it's not a hugely brilliant list to choose from. No, it's very top heavy, isn't it? Yeah. Can, do you reckon there's someone like Sam Williams when he signs his contract? He's like, okay, say say he's playing for. Let's say he's on a $90,000 a year contract because he's like definitely not in a top grade squad. But he says, if I play Origin, I want it bumped up to 500 deaths. <laughs> Do you reckon that there's anyone that has a clause that's that dramatic? Um, yeah, West Tigers with Moses and Bye. <laughs> he's like, if I play for Queensland, they're like, this is never going to happen all of a sudden. <laughs> all of a sudden. Oh boy, yeah, that's it's not a a splendid list. 
No. I think there's a few players there in the Origin arena who'd probably do a, a reasonable enough job out of that list. Mm-hmm. Um, Moses, when he's fit and he's running straight, mm. I'd put him in there, no no doubt about it. Um, Luke Brooks does tend to run, he does tend to play straight more than sideways, mm-hmm. which probably wouldn't be too bad a thing. Um but uh, yeah, you'd need and and the thing the thing that would help Brooks is the fact that you'd have um, Cleary, Cook, Tedesco in there, mm-hmm. all with good playmaking ability. And Brooks has an unbelievable um, combination with Tedesco. Yeah, yeah, that would pretty wouldn't take long to get that working again either. So that could probably work. Um, trust me, I'm not advocating Luke Brooks to play Origin here. But it kind of shows where you you know what you're looking at here is the next step down. I, f- I feel like the West Tigers, like Luke, Luke Brooks, all of a sudden he gets just a call up into the squad. Boom, eight hundred thousand dollar a year contract extension kicks in. Clauses. I would be I would be more comfortable paying Luke Brooks eight hundred thousand than I am with Moses and Boy earning whatever hell he's on. <laughs> Fuck yeah, so would I. <laughs> <laughs> so at least be, Brooks is playing every fucking week. Yeah, well, I would be more comfortable with that than if they were paying Moson by half of what they're paying him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh boy. Uh yeah. So it's it's interesting. I don't know what what Queensland's going to do. God, they're looking horrible. Yeah, they look uh, threadbare. I think the, like, I think what Queensland needs to do is say right. Craig, I just need to borrow most of your squad for three games after the grand final. Yeah. <laughs> we'll grab a few players from here and there, but, you know, mostly going to be Melbourne Storm players. What did you think of Wayne Bennett being named coach during the week? Uh, I suppose, look, it's, it's probably something they've done as an interim thing, given mm-hmm. that Kevin Walters has been made Broncos coach. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure it'd be something they'd be planning on long term. No, I thought it's it was pretty good that, to pick it up because, like, he's, yeah. they're going to lose. Yeah, I think it's more a case that you know they've only got what a month to prepare. Mm-hmm. May as well get someone who's got experience in that arena to take that job on in mm-hmm. that short notice. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I think it's probably a good decision by Queensland to do that. Uh, they're going to need a new coach for next year, though, and that's something they should be looking at right now. And, I mean, who's left? Uh, you know what? Maybe get the Walker brothers in. Why not? They're, you know, they're linked to every single other coaching job. I'm they need, all in. Walker they need a job somewhere. Origin. Yeah, why not? Yeah. That would work. <laughs> you know, this... Uh, this camp that both of the teams pull together in Origin, it's going to be more like a test camp. You know, the you know normally they have it's mid season, they get them all together, they're out of just fresh out of club games and stuff. Whereas this one, it's going to be very much like a test arena where you bring players together. Some of them haven't played for a while, you've got to gel together, and it's going to be interesting to see who handles that better, and that will definitely be a big thing about having Wayne Bennett there. He'll he'll be good at that with the, the Queensland team. But I just think that, and I've always said this about Origin, like they go on about our oh, toughness and heart and all that shit. And it's like, it's funny. The talented team pretty much wins at 99% of the time. Yeah. That's exactly right. And the only, the only times that the most talented team didn't win was that, you know, Fatty Vorton 
1995 squad. Yep. Um, yeah. Other than that, it's, yeah, it's mostly been the most talented team every time. Yeah, I can't. That's it's like that one. Um, and yeah, there's no other one that stands out where you're like, oh, well, that team just won it on heart. It's like yeah. it doesn't happen. No. Um, I suppose the other one would be the 1989 series, only because Queensland lost so many players to injuries through that period. They still won the series 3-0. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just the – that just it goes to show how great Wally Lewis was because he was the one player who stayed fit the whole time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Blake had a freak of a year in 89. We should um, <laughs> we should do our second thing in our State of Origin series. Yeah, it's kind of overdue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a year the, and a half. The plan, the plan was to do them two weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah. We did one and went, we'll do it later. <laughs> I think it's because the first one was so epic. Um, and we were like, wow, that was awesome. And we knew the next one was the one we were probably going to look forward to the most. And so it's like, you know, it's like when you buy a bottle of Cherry Coke a can of it, and you put it in the fridge, and you're like, I'm going to drink that sucker. And you look at it for a week going, I'm going to drink that sucker. Like, you look forward to it. That's part of the enjoyment of it. <laughs> we must have a few episodes on the back burner that we're looking forward to doing. Well, how, um, like, what ones can you think? Like, we've got the Women's Rugby League one we've been going to do for about three months now. Yeah, there's the uh, 1997 or 98 seasons. Yep, they're two big ones. Um, we do have a few history ones. No, we haven't mentioned those ones yet, but there's a few history ones there that I wouldn't mind doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there's a few. You know what I was thinking the other day is King of Rugby League Awards. Yeah, they'll be due. Mm. We're also... But, should we announce what's going to happen with the Daly M's? I think we should. There you go. Okay. The Daly M's are going to be a virtual award ceremony this year. Mm-hmm. And so Freaky and I have decided that we're going to hijack them. Yep. And we're going to do a live... We might do a live episode, I think. Yeah. As the awards are going to air, we'll go through and talk about each one, and we'll we'll talk about, you know, who we think should be winning out of the nominees, who should have been nominated and who shouldn't have been, and then we'll give out two bobs worth on all of the winners. Yeah, and I think the big controversy of the night is going to be how does the TikTok ban affect the Dalian Awards? I think that is the big, big story for the 2020 Dalian Awards. Absolutely. Um, actually, I've got another story for a bit of a chat. Mm-hmm. It was revealed uh, last week after the West Tigers Player Awards mm. that Harry Grant said that he's he will very much cancel his contract with the Melbourne Storm if he can, if Cameron Smith decides to play for another season. Who did he say that to? I don't know if he said it to anyone in particular. Mm-hmm. I think it was something that he may have said at the award ceremony. Okay. If now, I, yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say, the the assumption is that if Cameron Smith plays for another season, yeah. Grant will tear up his contract with the Storm, yeah. pretty much at his own cost, yeah. to sign a deal with the West Tigers. Yep. Um. Yeah, if you're the Melbourne Storm, what do you do? If I was the Storm, I at the moment I would do nothing. Right, I wouldn't acknowledge that it even happened. I'd put it down to maybe it was an awards night. He's you know a bit excited, all that sort of stuff. 
I understand Harry Grant thinking that completely because if I'm Harry Grant, I think to myself, look, when I was in this side, we were completely different than when I was out of the side. Like it was chalk and cheese when he was in it and when he was out of it. Yep. And he's already one of the best hookers in the game. I think we both agree there. And he deserves a starting place and that, without question. And I, I just think he's right. Like, if Cameron Smith is still playing at the Storm next year, he needs to do something in, in his own best interests. And But if I was the Storm, I would just pretend it didn't happen and worry about it. I'd, I'd cross that bridge when it, it comes time to cross it. Yeah, I I think the Storm are in a tricky situation because, if we're honest, Cameron Smith doesn't look like he needs to retire anytime soon. No, not at all. <laughs> He's had a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got Brandon Smith at the club as well. Mm-hmm. And I think they see Brandon Smith as a future captain of the club. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be getting rid of him in a hurry. But he is... Of the three hookers at the club, I think he's possibly the weaker of the three. And I'm not saying he's weak because, I mean, he's a test hooker. Yeah. And he's a damn good player. Mm-hmm. Um, he would walk into the number nine jumper at pretty much any other NRL club. Yeah. Um, it's just a, you know, Melbourne's just got three great hookers all at once, and they're all very unique. Um, there's no way you can have all three playing in the same team. Well, here's the thing, right? Take the storm out of it. Let's look at the other 15 clubs. How many clubs, well, how many hookers would you say from the remaining clubs are better than Brandon Smith? Or at the very least, they're good enough that you don't need, you would say a no to a Brandon Smith. All right. Well, this is, um, yeah, Cook, definitely. He does. He does a job for them. He's the test hooker. You know, I agree. Yeah. Um, Parramatta. I don't. I think Reed Mooney's. I don't think you'd replace him. Young dude. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, probably on a really good contract too. Yeah. Um, tell you what, the Sharks with Blake Braley. I don't think many people would have thought much about Blake Braley at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. But anyone who saw that game against the Raiders, Cronulla, their attack died in the ass when Braley went off injured. Mm-hmm. And that kid has been having an absolute killer of a season. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd be dropping him. I'd, I rate him as one of the uh, top hookers in the game at the moment. Wow. And I think he's going to get better. Reminds me a lot of when Robbie Farrah first came in. Yeah, he's just really nippy out of dummy half. <laughs> Really crisp passing game, mm-hmm. very creative from from um, the play the ball, and he's got a he's developing a really good um, short kicking game as well. Yeah, uh, the, only, the only thing he's got to do is just get a bit more muscle on him, um, yeah. and and work on his defensive technique. He's not afraid of tackling; just doesn't seem to have enough, you know, size behind him to be a dominant tackler. I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm. I wouldn't be replacing Coruscant Penrith. Yeah, I think Coruscant's a little bit of a the right player for the right team at the right time sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that's, that's probably it. Oh, I don't think I'd replace... Uh, it's a bit early. I don't know if I'd replace Starling at Canberra. 
I think that kid's going to absolute star. Okay, now with with that in mind, right? Switch it over to Harry Grant. He's off to all our teams. How many of them say yes? They'd all say yes. But how many of them would replace that? The hookers that we said you wouldn't replace Smith with Brandon Smith. How many of them would replace them with with uh, Harry Grant? Like I think, if I'm the Panthers, I do it. I think they would also if if Harry Grant came on the market and he mm. said I want to come to your club every mm. club says where do we get you to sign Yeah because the thing you got with him okay is you've seen already what he's capable of doing mm. which makes him one of the best hookers in the game just on what he's currently doing mm-hmm. knowing that he's only 22 and that's the thing yeah and he's got all that potential growth to come yet you think he's already up there with some of the best players in the game and he's younger than nearly all of them. Yeah, and like I can make a really good case for like, yeah, Damien Cook's really good, but this guy's twenty two and he could be a hook of ten years and he's cheaper. Like, it, it, I can. So I I would agree with you that I think all of those teams say yes, and then they tap the current hooker on the shoulder and say, "Man, we love you, but we've got to go and we have to go in this direction. We just yeah. signed a the a, one of the franchise players for our club for the next decade." Yeah. Exactly right, um, and yeah, you know, I think that, I think most clubs would do the same if Brendan Smith came on the market too, because I mean that kid is just tenacious as fuck. You can put him anywhere; he will do that job and he will do it well. I mean, the fact that he was slotting in a prop this year, yeah, it's crazy, it's absurd. It's crazy, and he, like he's the thing I liked about him was he. I mean, his style of play is is very unique. But he knew to use his footwork against bigger forwards, and it, like it would—it's a weird ask to ask a hooker to go and play as a forward like that. And he worked it out, which is a really good sign. Oh yeah, he's—I mean, that, and that's the thing you get with with um with Brandon Smith is the fact that defensively he is sound as fuck. Oh yeah, like his technique is perfect. Yeah, he hits like um, a Mack truck. It's really weird. Yeah. Oh, he's unbelievable. Um, so it, it's interesting. I think if Melbourne want to keep Cameron Smith, they will have to lose one of those two hookers. Mm-hmm. And I think if they had to choose, they would probably choose to let Brandon Smith go, even though they seem, you know, as a potential captain of the club. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can build your club for 10, 10 plus years around Harry Grant. Yeah, yeah. And he's just your linchpin. He's just your new Cameron Smith. Uh, mature kid, too. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's it's weird when you see somebody come along. And it's weird how it seems to happen with hookers. Like, every so often you'll see a, a hooker will come along and you're like, I know in 10 years' time this guy's still going to be playing. And he's yeah. still going to be one of the best in the game. And Harry Grant's that dude at the moment. He is, he is. And yeah, anyone will take him. I, I yeah. was surprised that the Broncos and the Cowboys haven't come along and said, look, you write your check. We need you. Because mm-hmm. those two clubs need a number nine worse than anybody else. Yeah. And if you get a creative spark like him, man, that that changes your team in an instant. I mean, we saw what he did with the West Tigers. Because mm-hmm. that West Tigers roster was, yeah, it's a bottom four, bottom five roster, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And Grant had them... There and thereabouts, you know, challenging in the top eight for a major chart of the year. 
Um, that's the difference he makes to a team. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he really so, is. You know, I hope the uh, the Storm sign Cameron Smith on for another year and Harry Grant says, well, fuck you, Melbourne. I'm staying at the West Tigers. And the West Tigers <laughs> say, well, you know, Harry, he's a five-year deal. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine if they says, look, I'm going, I'm going, and they say he's a seven-year deal. Yeah. I wouldn't sign a seven-year deal if I was a player, though. Oh, God, no. Like, I, I would... I, that's just too long in terms of the salary cap for me. Although, you know what? Given the dramas with the, the coronavirus, mm-hmm. it may impact the... Uh, the salary cap in the sense that we may not see the salary cap increase for quite a while. Mm-hmm. A long-term deal may not be a bad idea in that in that situation. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I tend to think that, like, obviously, the, all the TV deals are re- renegotiated for less money for no good reason at all, but mm. I feel like they'll bump up after that. Oh, they probably will. That's the thing. I think Harry Grant, given his age, if he signs a seven-year deal, when that thing ends... He'll be at the peak of his career because he'll be 30 almost. Yeah. <laughs> remember the golden number. The golden number. Matthew Johns is a golden number. Now, have we got any Matthew Johns news? Surely he's done something stupid. No, I haven't. Uh, that's disappointing. I, I, haven't, I've, I don't watch his show or anything like that. I don't watch any of the footy shows or anything. Um, it's just not my sort of thing, but yeah. Okay. Um, I think we've covered all the news, hey? We may very well have. Yeah. I just typed <laughs> in Matty Johns into, a, into Google and nothing came up in the recent news article, so he shut his <laughs> mouth for the week. You you wanted some Matthew Johns news, huh? I just thought there might have been some. Ah, okay. But nah. <laughs> nothing there. Damn it. Well, we better do a quick check of Fox Sports then. I know someone criticised us a while ago for doing this, but you know what? We do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah, that's true. I haven't looked at Fox Sports' website for a very long time now, hey? Likewise. Um, nah, there's nothing here. Nothing? There's nothing here. It's good because it means that it's all footy. If, yeah. if if Fox Sports has nothing to write about, well, then it must mean that there's lots of footy going on. Yeah. Um, James Hooper's written an article here. Oh, really? That's what this says. He's actually put his name to this one. <laughs> when was this written? August 18. Oh, that's a while ago now. They've still got it tagged as one of the feature articles. Oh, really? Yeah. The $3.2 million sticking point in rugby league's most necessary divorce. It's about Anthony Seabold. Oh, okay. I'm not reading that shit. No. Um, that's old news. There we go. Well, that's been a good episode. Good episode to start the week. We got some finals footy talk in. Talked about some serious off-field stuff. Talked a little bit about... We always end up talking about the West Tigers, hey? I always start it. I don't know why. Yeah, well, you, let's be honest. You just like my tears. Well, they're just so salty and delicious. Yeah, I know. I, I get that. <laughs> I get that. It's understandable. It's hard, hard to uh, hard to not want that, to be honest. Yeah. 
especially when your team's in, in the finals. It's a funny thing. I was listening to the um, the Fox Sports pregame commentary today. Mm-hmm. They're saying they're like really, you know, exasperated about you know how long it's been since the Knights were last in the finals. Mm. Oh, you know, the Knights they haven't been in the finals since 2013. And I'm just sitting there going, bitch, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I think it might have been. Oh, it might have been Anderson or someone like that saying it. I was just like, oh, you know, come on. Tigers haven't been there since 2011. It's weird when you think, like, since 2011, everything that's – like, the Knights have been basically at a pretty low ebb and then built up immediately and then torn apart and then sold. And in all of that time, the West Tigers couldn't make the final still. Yep. Weird. But- the Tigers are um, they're a team that's always rebuilding, but they're mm. never built. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's strange, eh? Like they're building a never-ending pyramid. <laughs> instead, but instead of building the steps going inward, so you're using less and less blocks every year till you get to the top and you're at your absolute peak, mm-hmm. they just keep building it straight up as a cube. <laughs> you know what it is? It's the West Tigers sandcastle. Yeah, kind of is that. And they're not using wet enough sand. No. So every time it gets near the top, the sand just falls apart and you've got to start again. Yeah, then they get someone else to come in. Yeah, and they just dig a bigger hole next to it and pull all the foundations <laughs> down and just they start it up, they fuck off to Penrith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but karma catches up with people. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> That's allegedly... Yeah, allegedly. But um yeah, it was a good 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 round of footy. I enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to next week's games. Um interesting to see how the Roosters go. Uh the the Eels versus Rabbitohs game is gonna be fantastic. I think the Roosters will beat the the Raiders and then they would the winner of that game would go on to face a storm. And I think the Storm will beat both of those teams and Man, the, on the other side, as Panthers fan, you know the thing I was really shocked by was how nervous I was during the game. Um, well, I this was... is the thing. There's a bit of peeling back the curtain here, but we had yeah. talked yeah. before that game yeah. that we were going to do a podcast after the game. Mm-hmm. And then you, I got a message from you not long after the game. You were pretty much just saying, man, that, that match took too much out of me. I can't, I can't be on tonight. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I'd, I'd, I'd got more unwell since our last podcast. Like, I had a couple of really bad days. And I got to the footy, and I was not great. And, like, during the game, I was nervous. It was really weird. So I'm burning all this nervous energy, and I'm watching the game and stuff, and I'm tired and run down and stuff. And, yeah, I got to the end of that game, and I was just – I was done. I was finished. And it was a similar thing yesterday, really. I, I didn't feel great yesterday. So, but I didn't have that nervousness because my team wasn't playing. But yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of really didn't enjoy that second half. <laughs> like, it was killing me. Oh, shit. Uh, all that did is made me realize that we should have done a live episode. Ah, <laughs> uh, seriously, I would have had to have, like, the, the last 20 minutes, I was lying on the couch. Just like, just moaning, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, the game finished, and I was like, oh, so out of it. Um, 
and then yesterday I still wasn't great. And it was weird. Today I, I watched the game. I was a bit tired. I had a quick sleep after the game, woke up, and I felt so much better. So I'm on the I'm on the improve, which is good. That's good news. Yeah. Um, actually, there's one last thing I want to bring up just quickly. Yeah. Um, now that I remember it, Ryan Brearley was playing over, I think, for Hull KR in mm-hmm. the Super League. Mm-hmm. And it was revealed that he was being playing for free all year. What? Yeah. And he was playing for a contract. Yeah. And the club eventually said, we don't have a spot for you. <gasps> no. And I think oh, he's that's... waiting on I think he's waiting on money from another club to sort of, you know, get him through this year or so while he's playing for a contract. Yeah. And I thought this this shows you just how bad the RFL is. That's There's just... no player at the elite level. Whether they want to or not, no player at the elite level should be playing for free. Um, not at all. And if they are, and you've put a salary cap in place, what is the point of the salary cap? And obviously the yeah. point of the salary cap over there is to stop St. Helens, Wigan, and Leeds <laughs> from going too far ahead of everybody else. Mm. But at the moment, St. Helens is still way ahead of everybody else. So mm-hmm. your, your salary cap's not working. Um, and the players who need financial support and that are playing at clubs that aren't St. Helens are not getting paid. Mm. But at least there's free pizza. Which leads yeah. me to the next point. Mm-hmm. Have you seen some of the pizzas I had there? Because saw... one of them was put up on Twitter the other day and mm-hmm. it had fucking tuna and corn on it. Yeah, Sam Tompkins put it up. Funnily oh. enough, it seemed like a very English pizza, hey? Like oh, if you go to England yeah. and say, oh, let's get pizza, and uh, that's where you get served up. It's uh, it's a joke. The way the game is run over there is a complete joke. I can't believe that someone would be getting no money at all to play supposedly professional rugby league. Um, the sooner that the players over there strike, the better. They need a union, a real union, and not just to be a, a handful of players that want to feel important. It needs to be a, an actual players union because that's a disgrace. And, I mean... I, I just don't see how that can't be st- illegal under a salary cap system. You can't think, sign a player for free. I think what what should happen, just in the interim, mm. is that the NRL players union just becomes a a, a rugby league players union, mm. and so everyone that's playing in the English rugby league can just buy in to be a part of the the one that's set up in the NRL at the moment, and the guys there will just set up a base over in England. And that's how you start to form a union that works on both sides. Um, it'll have all the resources ready to go straight from the get-go, and they'll be able to start lobbying on behalf of the players in England straight away. And I think something like that needs to happen because at the moment, the players are, you know, they're on their own. Yeah, yeah. They're and that should never happen. It's a mm. horrible situation. <clears throat> and you look at some of the things that have happened with Toronto players who... You know, apart from not getting paid, the the houses that they negotiated to be rented out by the club. I mean, they were getting eviction notices and all sorts of things, and like everyone's out on their own. And I mean, we've seen teams going bust all the time in England, and they're just, the players are out of pocket. The players are always the first people out of pocket. Yep. It's crazy. Uh, they should strike. I was saying they should have been striking. You know, when the Toronto players stopped getting getting paid. 
Um, but they won't. It's all chaos over there. They love their little northern chaos, and it's all very special, and it's very wonderful, and nobody else understands it, and no one else cares. Yeah, it's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's worse than their pizzas, which, let's be honest, that pizza I saw, man, it Ugh. stuck with me because it looks like a McCain's pizza that a cat has vomited on and someone's thrown corn on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like something that Ugh. they would make during a, a episode of Jackass. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was a vile looking. Who the fuck puts tuna on pizza? Tuna. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, man. No wonder that shit's free. Yeah. And that's negotiated for. Yeah. It's craziness. It's so crazy. Yeah. Horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, So condolences to all the players. you got to eat that shit. Yeah, hopefully the garlic bread was good. Hopefully it was just garlic and bread and there's no tuna or any other fucking shit in there. (laughs) I hope you're getting some normal food somewhere. Just a basic, even it's just a basic wine, basic pepperoni, basic meat lovers, just something normal. I hope you're not getting fucking tuna pizzas. Jesus Christ. Do you reckon you could order a tuna and corn pizza over here? Like if no. you rang up at Pizza Hut, because they don't go with Domino's, because they kept on fucking up my orders, and I kept on going in and complaining, and, and, and yeah, I stopped going. But... Yeah, well, so I do pizza now. Let's have a look at the pizza menu then. Because I, I would feel like you could probably ask for tuna and corn. But have you ever have you ever in Deadpool he gets um he gets a pizza and it is pineapple and olives. I don't like olives. I don't know. No. I, I tried it once, pineapple and olives. Yeah. Was average, very, very average. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, I'm not seeing any. There's no pizzas here with tuna on them yet. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, too many vegan pizzas. <laughs> yeah, one's too many. Exactly. Um. Okay. We'll go to the create your own pizza, but I've not seen any with tuna on there. Let's see. You can get anchovies. God, can you imagine anchovies and corn? Jesus. There's no corn. There's no tuna. They don't even have as an option to make on to make your own pizza. Good. <laughs> Maybe see? somebody out there that listens to us can make their own tuna and corn pizza. And try and make it look as delicious as possible. <laughs> See if it's possible yeah. at all. Best, best of luck. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be uh, a difficult one. And but... making it look delicious is one thing. Making it taste delicious is another. That's a good point. <laughs> what what sauce do you put as the base for a tuna and corn pizza? Bile. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing like mayonnaise might be the start. <laughs> And that's not a good start. Because oh, <laughs> if you're putting cheese on that fucker with mayonnaise. Oh, you just made it worse. Oh. Oh. What about a garlic sauce? <laughs> oh. God. 
Oh man, you just know if you put you put you had a tuna pizza with yeah. garlic sauce, you just know that that's only coming out of one hole. It's not the one where it should be. It's going to burn the whole way as it comes out. <laughs> oh man, that's foul. Yeah, that's that's pretty. T- that's tough. And you do, you have it on uh, a start one of the you know stuff crust pizzas where it's just a big hot dog that's really shoved in the end of it. <laughs> Instead of having the hot dog in there, you just put tuna in there. <laughs> a tuna stuffed pizza. Uh, that's that's difficult. <laughs> this, this is why we should never get food from Americans. Yeah, that's true. Although pizza is Italian. Yeah, but I mean, Papa John's is not Italian. Yeah, yeah. They've just bastardized pizza is what they've done. Yeah, it's terrible. Just like what they do with hamburgers by putting pickles on it. I like pickles on hamburgers. No, you don't. You're only saying that just because you're an asshole. Pickles <laughs> no, I'm are shit. Serious. I eat them. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bullshitting. I like them. Mate, it's like it's like slippery snot on a on a burger. No, I, I like it. You ever had a crispy pickle on a burger? No, because you know what I do every time I get a burger. I go open that fucking thing up and I take the bloody pickles out and I throw them back on the window. Really? See, yeah, I don't. I don't do that. <laughs> but I've no, had. I don't, I don't do it either. I just take the pickles off. I fucking hate pickles on burgers. Okay, so I've had them with, I've had them when they've been really crispy pickles as well. They're pretty good, but yeah, I'll leave the pickles on my Macca's burgers and everything. Not bad. Maybe they should have a, a tuna corn and pickles burger, uh, pizza. No. With garlic sauce and mayo and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. That'd be really bad. <laughs> That'd be really bad, jeez. That would be really bad. There's no way you can fix that. Mm. Nah, maybe that should be like a MasterChef final challenge. Like they they bake the pizza and they see he fix this up. <laughs> here's, your, here's your last five ingredients. Make this taste good. Do you, I don't remember watching the first series of MasterChef when they had it in Australia. And it gets to the last one and this woman tries to cook something and it doesn't work. And, and I'm talking it doesn't work at all. And so she presents them with a plate of slop. And she won. <laughs> it was literally like a bowl of slop. And they made her the winner. Because I guess they could sell magazines or something with her on the front of it. The bowl of slop. It really was. It, like, I'm not even joking. It's just a it's just like it gruel. didn't work. And they're like, they're, they're like spooning this bowl of slop into their mouth going, you know what? It's really delicious. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> Probably something out of a can. <laughs> you know, those, those, um, those chunky soups. Yeah. One of the failed versions of one of those when they bring out a new recipe. Like an Audi minestrone soup. Yeah, that's the sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. They're horrible. Oh, yeah. They they really are. That's like when you there's nothing left to eat in the house and you're like, oh, don't even think that I can do this. <laughs> and it's like a test of your will. Yeah, the whole time you're eating it, you're, you're blocking your nose. Mm, mm. You're not, and I'm just saying, I'm not chewing this. You try and make sure when you've got it on the spoon, you're pushing that spoon as far down your throat as possible so it doesn't touch your tongue. <laughs> Just get down there quick. <laughs> I don't want to taste this shit. <laughs> and that's when you have your cherry Coke. Yeah, and everything's good with the world. I've got a problem with cherry Coke, though, because, like, I find it so delicious and it's 
instead of using sugar, they use high fructose corn syrup, which is like, it doesn't leave. It just stays with you forever. It's really bad for you. So I, you, you can't drink heaps of it. So I only buy it like well, I buy one can every three months or so. And I really do. I sit it in the fridge and I stare it down for a week and then I drink it when I, it's time. So I've, I've never had it. The, the, the concept of cherry Coke doesn't, I don't know. That sounds like tuna pizza to me. It's fucking delicious. I'll take your word for it. Do you like vanilla Coke? No. Okay, I, I loved vanilla Coke. Mind you, let's be honest, I've not drank any soft drink for almost a year. Yeah, you're on your health kick, aren't you? Well, that was that's the only part of the health kick I've stuck to. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've gone in the opposite direction. I've eaten takeout every day for like two weeks, even when I've been sick. <laughs> Maybe we're we're uncovering something here, mate. Maybe what you just need, yeah, is a good old tuna pizza. You'll be right as rain afterwards. I definitely would lose a few kilos after eating some slop like so, that. Here's what you do, man. Mm. You, you go to Woolies tomorrow, or IGA, or Coles, or whatever you want, or Aldi, mm-hmm. and you get their their cheap shit pizza. But it's yeah. just the plain old cheese and bacon pizza. Yeah, you go and get yourself a tin of tuna. You pour that shit on there, and then you get a, like a bag of corn. Or just get a can of corn. Fuck it. Don't get a bag. Just get a can of corn. Pour that yeah. shit on there. Sweet corn, yeah. Yeah. Sprinkle a bit of cheese over the top. Slam that, sh- slam that shit in the fucking oven. Yep. Give it 15 minutes. Pull it out. Feast. I think we need to do this, eh? Yeah. See what it tastes like. <laughs> This, start, this is starting to sound like another thing you need to do when you get the Rona. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> hey, you know, today I looked up what bush turkeys taste like. Uh, chicken? No, no. Oh. No. Uh, no, they, apparently the, I read on the, an ABC website up on the Gold Coast and they said uh, th- they were asking uh, the Aboriginal people up there about the bush turkeys and the response that they got back. They, they called them... They called them um, a different name. The Aboriginal game, name was like Woggins or something, and it was b- about the noise that they made when they were, I don't know, doing something, their mating calls or something. And the the thing that they were saying was the the way to eat that the best way to enjoy a bush turkey is that you cook it in a a tin pot, and then when it's finished, you chuck out the turkey and eat the tin pot instead. <laughs> <laughs> so that tells you how bad they must fucking be. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was very clever. That's brilliant. Well, I guess that wraps up another fantastic episode. Yeah, it's been varied. It has been. We uh, <laughs> we saved it at the end. Yeah, we did. Anytime you can talk about eating a strange native animal, I think or, that you've done well. Or a tin can or shit on pizza. Yep. Yep, yep. Yeah. I reckon, I wonder if a, if a bush turkey pizza would be better or worse than a tuna and corn pizza. Oh, man. It had, it'd have to be better. It'd just have to be. It'd have to be. Oh. I'll challenge someone to try it for us. <laughs> Imagine if we, like, if somebody, like, 
did a whole thing where they took photos of them caption cap capturing a, a bush turkey and I feel like it would be illegal. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can't do that to Australian native animals, catch them and eat them. I know we've got at least one 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 person who's a, who looks like they're a pretty damn good cook who um, listens to the podcast. That'd be Nadine. Yeah, Nadine cooks some real good stuff. She's got a smoker. I reckon she'd probably she could probably do this. Cook up two pizzas. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I'm in a different state and I'm locked down, so I can't go. So you'll have to go over and taste yeah. the two pizzas and see how they go. Yeah. And give yeah. us the verdict. I'm up for the challenge. <laughs> uh, I won't be Thank you Dan Andrews for locking down Victoria Because I won't have to go for that one Finally You're the first person <laughs> to say that to him That's alright um, Well thanks for tuning in everyone You can uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter At Fergo Freak Pod We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook So check us out over there Subscribe, like, all that sort of stuff That'd be fantastic Um Make sure you give us a five-star rating and review on your podcast program that you use. Um, we'll read it out on the podcast, put up on our website as well, which is fergonthefreak.com. Mm. Also, well, if, yeah. have you got something else? No, that's pretty much it. That's my spiel done. That's the only bit I remembered. Okay. I can't remember my name, but I can remember that bit. <laughs> Let me see where we're up to in the script. Oh, yes. If you want to shave your balls to a high level of accuracy, what you want to do is go to manscaped.com. If you go to manscaped.com and put in our exclusive code, which is NRL, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. 20%. That's one-fifth the price is gone just because of us. Fuck, we're good. We really are. And so you can do that. You can buy all sorts of stuff, get yourself some Christmas presents, get yourself something just to keep yourself ready to rock and roll, you know. We're all coming out of lockdown in all the civilised parts of Australia. I don't know about Andrew, but, you know. I'm in, in, I'm in this some bitch for another bloody year, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah you're, you're fucking locked down like, you know. You're going to be, what's the, what would be the worst place to be locked down in, in the whole world? In the whole world? Brisbane. Tamworth. And just Tamworth. <laughs> <laughs> so if <clears throat> yeah go go to manscaped.com 20% off NRL's your code shave your balls what more can we say than that exactly um, and just quickly too if you want to support a independent rugby league sports content creator man he does a whole lot go to patreon.com slash league freak uh, he's got a few tiers there. You go to the highest tiers for a few months and you'll get some free merch from him as well. So uh, get over there and give him some of your hard-earned. Yeah, well, you know what? This month, sent out a free mug and a free sticker. And I believe next month, Nadine gets a free T-shirt, hey? Hey. Yeah, it's all it's all beginning. Um, if you want to support the digitization of rugby league history, very important, you've got to go to patreon.com slash rl project it is very important it is something that i actually saw a discussion the other day where um you were saying you have a loose affiliation with the international rugby league but it's it's they don't pay for the information and that the nrl doesn't really have any affiliation at all and that sucks the nrl should be balls deep in rugby league project and they're not and because they're not that means it's up to the rest of us to make sure that Andrew can do the job 
which all of these other organizations aren't doing because it's our history. It's our game's history. So go there, patreon.com slash project and do what you can. Absolutely. Well said. And on that note, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And uh, we'll catch you all next time.